This is Series 5 of Brave New Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Hamilton, and I welcome you to the Women's Impact Project, in which my guests share how they are positively impacting the world and the courage it takes to do so. If you're interested in making a difference by guesting on podcasts, you can find out how in my latest book, Dare to Share. This week's guest is Stephanie Taylor, voted Inspirational Person of the Year 2021 and featured on the BBC, Entrepreneur, Business Insider and The Telegraph, author of the number one best-selling book, Rent to Rent Success, and host of the top 1.5% global podcast, Rent to Rent Success. She passionately advocates that ethical property investment is open to all. Welcome, Stephanie, to Brave New Girl Podcast. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Uh, Hi, Lou. It's great to be here. Thanks. I just noticed that we were both wearing bright red lipstick and it's a very kind of weird light today. It's kind of gray, orange or yellow. It's very strange. Anyway, so we're brightening it up. Our listeners can't see us, but um, hopefully everyone can imagine bright red lipstick and big smiles. (laughs) Definitely. So... I'm very interested in in what you do. Um, I did a property course years ago, and even though I then didn't end up kind of following that, I did start to think about, even though it wasn't kind of going to be physical property, I started to then think about intellectual property. So I really learned so much from that course that I then translated into into creating books and paintings and podcasts and so kind of intellectual real estate and also the idea that you know social media isn't real estate that we own and can be taken from us at any time and whereas you know your email is real estate you own so so when the listeners are kind of listening to what we're talking about today yes property is something that lots of people aspire to and you've you've created a a way of doing it that allows more people to do it that even those people who don't have access to a chunk of money at the beginning but for those that aren't there yet there are other lessons that we can learn from your journey and and what you've what you've developed and what you've learned yourself so let's kick off this last couple of years has been something that we've we've all had to adapt to, learn from, grow from, maybe in some cases, uh, become more resilient. So how has your business been impacted or affected or helped in the last couple of years? Yeah, it has been such an interesting uh, few years, Lou. And I just want to say, I before I answer the question, I really love that idea of thinking of... Um, uh, intellectual property and the the assets that you create in your business and your business as an asset as well. So I can't wait to get into those ideas later on because there is so much money um, and assets that we can create, whether we're buying, as you said, physical property assets, real estate, um, or whether we're creating those assets within our businesses or in other places. So I love the way you explain that. So going on to the question you asked me, which is about what's been uh, my experience in the last few years with uh, coronavirus and all the different changes and challenges and the challenges that we're still um, experiencing, is that 
in some of our businesses in the in the property business where we've got a property management business and a portfolio of properties we own that we manage and rent out to people uh, there was a time when we were unable to fill the rooms part of the reason the business works is because when we're very diligent with when somebody's moving out showing the room keeping the property in a really good state so other people want to move in and because they have share properties as well um, that added an, another dimension and so when the first lockdown happened in March 2020 we weren't able to then show people the houses people weren't for a while able to move people were at the very beginning very scared we were very worried about um, what would happen and then the government did say that obviously people were not to be put out of their homes at that time so really it was looking as though landlords and uh, would need to fill that gap you know when people were being made redundant that they would need to be kept in their homes even if they couldn't pay the rent and that we would need to fill that gap as we all know now the government quickly stepped in to say that they would be paying people to if they were made if they were furloughed if they were made redundant from their work or if they were furloughed from their work um that the government would make available universal credit payments to them so what we found was actually that side of it was fine our, our revenue went down about 20 to 30%, but then it picked back up again as, as the lockdowns changed and we realised that we were going to be able to live with it. Even before we came to where we are now in 2022, there was sort of an acceptance of it sort of later in 2020, people were moving again and then more so even in 2021. So we luckily had some buffer in our business and we were able to bounce back. And the other the other big thing was with 2020 was, uh, sorry, yes, 2020 when it all happened was leadership. We really had to um, step forwards and lead all of our housemates who might have been worried about what might happen to them, what might happen to their jobs. And all of our landlords, the people who own the properties that we were managing and communicate with them and help them through the process as we were sort of learning the process ourselves and working out um, what, what we would do. In yourself, did you feel that as you were adapting that you were trying to manage your own mindset around that? Because, you know, it was a kind of very worrying time. And I know that, you know, a lot of houses of multiple occupation, HMOs, have students that, you know, the students were coming home, not being in the properties. So, I'd, yeah. So in your own mind, how did you manage that? Yeah, that's a great question because I was freaking out at first, uh, like it's the end of the world. I, I never, ever thought in a million years that there would be a lockdown. When people said there's going to be a lockdown, I thought, oh, these people are just um, catastrophizing. There will never be a lockdown, you know, in the UK or in America, in, in these countries. It just won't happen. So I was shaken to the core when that, that lockdown was announced. I just could not believe it. And um, thinking about the implications for the business, it was very worrying. But what what got me out of it and took me to a place that I didn't even know that I had the capacity for was I just realized, oh, we need to lead our people through this. All of the people living with us and all of the people that were managing their properties, we just need to look ahead and see what is the best we can do. We know we have some buffer, do the best we can do, but communicate that to the people we work with that we're in partnership with. And I just went ahead with the with the thought, whatever happens, 
we can deal with it. And that was what got us through it. And it proved to be true. <laughs> so, And that's how we build resilience, isn't it? Just giving mm-hmm. ourselves proof that each with each step, well, we've got through that. So here we are on to the next one. Okay, we can get through that. And then gradually you sort of, you build your, your mental strength. So Absolutely. can you explain to people what, what rent to rent is? Because lots of people aspire to or do invest in property and, you know, they'll buy an extra property or two outside of the one that they live in. They've usually had to raise some capital or use credit cards or whatever that kind of system is for raising that kind of that money and then owning this other property that they then have to manage and look after and fill with tenants. But you do something called rent to rent. So can you explain what that is and why it's different? Yeah. So as you said, a buy to let is what people know as property investment. You often have to put, let's say, at least £50,000 into a property for deposit, refurbishment, buying costs. And then you might make on average on a, a typical UK rental property, 200 to £300 a month. Sometimes it might be more or it might even be less. But people then think, well, you need all of those £50,000 to be able to build up your portfolio. And that It is true and ownership of those assets is important because there are lots of other benefits apart from the rental cash flow that you get when you own a property. But what I found out and what is known in niche property circles is that there's another way to make money without owning the properties. So you can rent the properties and rent them on again. And when people hear this, they think, oh, that sounds like a scam, that sounds like something wrong or illegal. And that's because when these sorts of things have come to light before, they're in the newspaper because somebody has rented a property and they're renting it out, they've crammed people in, they're not following the legal laws, the owners of the property have no idea that the property has been used in that way. And so that's what we think of as subletting. But actually, when you do it legally, so the way that we do it briefly is that we rent a property as you mentioned there, they're called HMOs in the UK, houses of multiple occupations, what people might know as house shares or student house shares, although we do them as um, professionals for young professionals. So we went, rent the property from the property owner, tidy the property up a bit, maybe decorate, make it look a lot more homely, and then rent it out to the housemates at a higher but still affordable rent. So for the owners, people say, well, why would no owner do that? It's because many people own properties, but it's not their main full-time business. What they, they have other businesses or jobs and families and other things, and they just want somebody to look after the property, look after the housemates and give them a guaranteed rent. So for them, it's guaranteed rent, freedom from tenant management and total peace of mind. And then for housemates, it's beautiful, affordable homes. And young professionals are moving more and they still do want to share even after the coronavirus we're finding. Yeah, I've seen photographs of the work that you've done, the before and afters, and and you do transform these, these places. So the landlords must love you. Yeah, absolutely. So it is it is really a phenomenal deal for the landlords, especially at the moment, because things have been more challenging. But it's also a great deal for us because we're renting the property. So we're not having to invest 50k, we might invest a few hundred pounds, or it might be a few thousand pounds. And a typical uh, return on a single property for us each month is 500 is a, is a minimum, and it can go up over a 1000 pounds a month. So we manage it's more like a boutique 
letting agency where we take on more of the responsibilities and risk than a traditional letting agency. But it's a great way for us since we started doing this and just started off by managing other people's properties with care, we then were able to start building up our own portfolio and buying our own properties because of the experience we gained and because of the finance the finances we gained as well. You have been phenomenally successful in, in this and I want to talk more about kind of that journey to, to getting there. But to give some context, looking back at the the child that you were were you always made to be successful? What kind of little girl were you? Oh my goodness. I was so shy, Lou. I would literally just burst into tears because somebody said hello to me. <laughs> and I loved books and loved reading and I, I loved to go off into these other worlds. And at the time I grew up, um, the Enid Blyton books were very, very popular and the boarding school books and the midnight feasts. And uh, But I liked all different styles of books, not only that sort of a story. I just liked getting away in books. And what I found was my mum loved it when we were reading and wouldn't call on us for household chores, of which she seemed to have quite a lot. <laughs> An endless supply. <laughs> yeah, I get that now. <laughs> yeah. so, so this kind of ability, and I've heard this so many times with our guests, this ability to have an imagination helps them to kind of later on create a, create visions for themselves. Did you find that 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 as a child you you dreamed ahead? I don't know that I thought that I could do a lot. I did have visions of the other people and things that they could do, and I I might have had some ideas about things I could do but they tended to be smaller certainly as I grew older and it became a teenager and um, I think my vision when I look back on it now the ideas that I have for myself were actually quite small. And you became a mum at, at 18 and yeah. and you found that you know you were trying to work and and raise little baby and and you decided actually you wanted to do one thing well and stay at home and look after your your child and mm. and then gradually over time got your degrees several degrees and mm. then um got into business consultancy what was your driving force to to take you from one step to the next yeah and, and like i say i didn't i sort of had been on about i did not realize that the world of opportunity that was available to me like what you said earlier you can create all of these assets from exactly where you are from your house and we have all that now some of that has changed since i was since the era we're talking about which is in the 90s because the digital world has just blown up but Anyway, um, so I just saw one thing at a time. So first of all, I, I, I stopped working to look after Alex full time and I was on benefits and I was feeling so depleted and ashamed and lots of other emotions. But I decided I would do the Open University. And back in those days, the Open University is a correspondence course where you can do a degree. You would get everything through the post, big books and um, videos to watch. And um, there would be a summer school once a year. And my mum would look after Alex and I would go for a week and be with all these other people um, thinking about um, things and writing essays. And I absolutely loved it. And that was the first step that I took. But each step 
I took, I saw other doors open up. But that was the very first one that just gave me such a feeling of accomplishment because I found that I was really good at writing essays and I was getting very high marks. And that was such a, um, I don't know, when I felt so down, it just lifted me so much. And then as you, you know, you did go out into the, the sort of corporate world and, and again, you were, you were, you found that you could do this and that you were, you became really successful. So how did you develop in, yeah. in that career? And did that feel like, oh, right, this is just going to be, I just keep going and it's all going to get bigger and better. And, and that's my life mapped out. Yeah, I wasn't such a good fit with the, the corporate career. I did do okay. And I was, I was a little bit ambitious, as I say, I, I would always think of the next step ahead. But now I can see there was so much I didn't even know that I could do or that I would maybe overlook certain jobs because it seemed like the salary was too high for me. Um, and so we have all these uh, hidden thoughts sometimes that, that hold, us back, hold us back. Yeah, so I did pretty well. But I had some ups and downs during my uh, time and I got to a decent level. When Alex was nine, we moved to, he and I moved to Edinburgh from Birmingham and I did a, a master's degree there and was invited to do a PhD there. But I, uh, as, as a result of the connections, I was invited to apply for a job at the at the time it was new the scottish executive it was called at the time which was the scottish government but not not as devolved as it is now uh, it was the first iteration and i got to do this really exciting project which was what's happened to policy making post devolution and interviewing senior civil servants all different levels of civil servants plus people outside the civil service who were interacting with with policymakers that was incredible. And from there, I then decided to set up a business. I should use the air quotes because it was more of a hobby that made a bit of money. Because what I didn't know at that stage was that there is a system for success in business. And if you follow that system, you're much more likely to be successful. And that there's a process to outsource the outsource the tasks uh, so that you don't do everything yourself. So basically, I gave myself a very, very, very busy job with no holidays <laughs> and a lot of stress. But I learned so much from that. But at the end of it, I was quite in a quite downed mentally. You're being successful, you're building, you're building your career, you've got a, a side a hustle, essentially, that's keeping you extra busy um, yeah. and is actually functioning as a second job as opposed to a, a business because you haven't quite learned that yet um, yeah. and then something happens which you know we very often find that something kind of kicks in that stops us in our tracks so what yeah. was that for you? Yeah so there's a little tiny bit in between I, I go from sort of that hiccup with the with the business because I, I went full-time in it to giving up the business selling it to a friend who was also involved in the business with me and um, I start doing very low paid work because that's what I feel worthy of at that time but then fortuitously I find out about contracting in financial services 
And I'm absolutely blown away and stunned that people get paid hundreds of pounds a day to do admin work, which is what I was doing, but I was doing minimum wage. And so I apply for this and luckily get it. That's a bit of a long story, but I luckily get it. And so there I am now. Almost almost despite yourself. Yes. It's, it's almost like, you know, I, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't be getting this. But I am going to go for it. And yeah. then you surprised yourself by actually getting it, didn't you? Yeah, because you needed to have financial services experience, but I didn't have financial services experience. But I knew that I could do the admin things that they had said on the application I thought surely it can't be that easy but anyway I went I went for it and I got it and I just thought I cannot believe it I've arrived this is it life doesn't get any better now and um, so going from that experience on benefits to now this contracting role especially because of the blip earlier where I'm earning on more or less minimum wage temping and now to be earning the same as I was previously earning in a week in a day um, and I'd set up a limited company and so on. So there I am at, in the bank at financial services. And it wasn't an exact match for me because I'm not really that diligent, dot the I's, cross the T's mm. um, sort of person, which really, ideally for that role that I had, you would have been. However, I was good enough and I liked the people in the atmosphere to a point. And I probably would never have thought of leaving at all. I just thought I was quite lucky to be there and to get to complain about it, <laughs> to get to complain about it. <laughs> but what happened was my mum got sick and that was the moment. Um, it was just a normal thing that could happen anytime. She called me one morning. I was I was living in Bristol at the time. I was overlooking the, the harbour, which I loved, and I could walk to work, which was in the, 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 the Bristol Harbour side in the, the main square, Millennial Square, Millennium Square. And she called me in the morning and I was getting ready and I was very distracted uh, thinking, oh, I was doing a presentation that morning. I was thinking all about the presentation and I needed to get off the phone and get on with whatever I was doing. And then I was sitting at my desk in the afternoon, just looking out the window at the harbour. And, you know, when you just get this realisation that like, somebody's shaking you. Um, and I, it, felt, it, it felt like a punch in my belly. I really felt it in my belly oh, but what about mum? And I just imagined her on her own, feeling ill, waking up in the morning. She knows I'm getting ready for work. So she called me, not because she thought logically about it. She just needed that bit of reassurance. Everything's going to be okay, mum. You're going to be okay. I'm here for you. You know, all of that. And I actually thought, what about if she got ill, more ill, and I wanted to spend more time with her, or even if she wasn't ill, but just having that interaction while she's, you know, here, while we're all here. And um, I, that's when I thought, I need to do something else. This isn't this isn't it, because I'm really tied to Bristol. I'm really tied to this specific location. At that time, now post-corona, there's so many people working from home and so on. But at that time, my role was very much in the office. And so that was what gave me the spark. That was what gave me the little bit of fire. And that was what gave me the the courage, really, to try to do something different. And what was it that, you know, so you've made this realisation, you know that you're going to make the leap, but into what? Yes. Well, I kind of knew that people do business. I could see 
this is what people do. If they're not working, they have a business. Uh, if they don't already have, uh, you know, assets and things. And that just seemed so far beyond me. And I've still got my other, excuse me, inverted commas, business failure to look back on. And, and I just thought, that's not for you. But then I saw that I just re realized that people in property sometimes make money accidentally. Like we all know people here in the UK, probably around the world, who bought a property accidentally. Well, they maybe didn't buy it accidentally, but accidentally they've done very well out of it just by having it. And then maybe they've rented it out or maybe they've sold it and gone up again. Um, and so I just thought, well, if if normal people can do this accidentally, maybe I could do it intentionally. Mm. Yeah. And that was what gave me, and I started attending property events and I was just blown away to learn about the sort of strategies that we talked about, such as rent to rent. And there are others where you don't need a lot of money and it's like a property business rather than um, a property investment to start to start off with. You're beginning to teach yourself, learn what's possible. And and still it's a quite a big step to then go, all right, I'm going to start a business where I'm using property to create a, an income for myself that doesn't mean I'm doing a job so so how did you develop that and I know that you you teamed up with your sister yeah yeah so what what it what it was Lou was I was 45 by this time and so I've had a few little successes like you know working at the bank and finding that I could do that and there'd been a few other things along the way and I thought I thought time is running out, <laughs> of that, which was motivating. It didn't feel depressing. And I thought, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it now. I don't have time to be waiting around and seeing what happens. And if it doesn't work out, I was very afraid. But I just worked out what I was afraid of. And I thought, well, if it doesn't work out, the worst that can happen is that I go back to financial services contracting. So I really felt able to just fling myself into it. And by this time, my son is, he's, he's now 30 and he's, so he's already grown up. He's, he's moved to Birmingham. He's got his own job and so on. And um, so I can just cut back, you know, my income and live on savings for a while and see if this works out. And so you develop the business and you find that actually you and Nikki as a team really can um, can do this and mm. you do grow it and and you've been you have been very successful at it and and you now teach other people um, to do it as well so you're now taking what you've learned to then help other people who probably have those kind of similar voices in their heads going oh, it's not for me, I can't do this, it's for those other people over there, I'm not good yeah. enough, I'm too old, all of those things. But actually, you're kind of living proof that you can, from wherever you start, make make that change and and grow a business in the way that, that you have, whether it's property or not. And so looking back at the kind of development in your, your mind, what has been the sort of key changes in your mindset that you've either consciously changed or accidentally realized that 
actually you can do this and that you you are resilient and you are good at this and and you've become a um a business leader that is inspiring to others and and a lot of that is by doing the work and taking the action but what underneath what what's been going on in your brain through this yeah that's such a great question because it really has been in my brain and because i had all those decades of mediocrity with the occasional little flurry here and there but in the last in the last six years I've achieved so much compared with the previous decades and it is as you said Lou it is just about the way that I've been thinking and if somebody had said this to me while I when I was younger I'd have totally rolled my eyes and said no it's because those other people have all these other things which I don't have and that's why they're successful but actually there there are things that help people, absolutely. But we can all, starting from where we are, move forward from where we are and grow from where we are with exactly what we have, using our minds. And that was the crazy thing, just how much of a difference it makes. And so looking back on it and what I now use as my mantra for for life and what I can see that I did at various points along the way is believe bigger, be bolder and be a game changer. And believe bigger is just actually opening your eyes to see what is possible. Because for so much, I feel like I was really blinkered and very low with my aspirations. And it's nice to be able to see all that is possible, even if one chooses something at the middle end of it, just knowing that so much more is possible for, for us each individually than we think. So believing bigger is the first part to actually and it can be quite challenging to believe in something that doesn't yet exist. So to believe in business success when you're looking at uh, business failure. But it's having belief in yourself that creates the success because when you believe, you will take actions that you won't take when you don't believe. So it's so powerful. I love what, you, what you've really said all the way through is, is that you've taken a step done that looked around thought okay I can take another step and you've done that and then over the time you've made the progress and and you've built what you've built and from the the person that really had a kind of small vision for themselves and just took the kind of immediate opportunities you have become someone who has a big vision and you have created systems for other people to be able to do the same thing what's your vision for the future from where you are right now yeah well it was um believe bigger be bolder be a game changer so the be a game changer links into your your question but i'll i'll just quickly say what be bolder is uh, which you can imagine it's all of these changes even the believing internally is challenging at the start and so we have to be bolder be able to allow other people to have their opinions allow other people to either criticize us some people congratulate us that's not a problem but the ones who <laughs> criticize us that might be a problem but we just have to let that all be okay because as you move towards closer to your vision for yourself some people will love it and some people won't but it's but even if you do nothing and squash your sparks 
some people will love it and some people won't so you may as well have people criticize you on the way to your dreams so that's be bolder and be a game changer is really about when you're changing the game for yourself for your family for your community also you get to do it for the wider world and so what i what i love uh, and gives me so much joy from from this is that from being a recipient and being so grateful as as a teenage mum to be able to receive that money from the government that meant that I could look after my son in, in other parts of the world, it, it's not like that. I can now be a giver and create, um, create that opportunity for other people. And so through our business, businesses, in fact, we give through the B1G1 platform online. You can choose projects all over the world in this country and all over the world. And we we have projects that, that we give to through that. And we're also, we're building up a property portfolio and that is going to be left in trust to help other people who may struggle to find the beautiful, affordable homes that they want and, and need. And it's going to be an accommodation and education trust. And the education trust is just to show people the things that I wish that I'd learned all those decades ago is how how you can use your own mind to create more for yourself wherever you are you can create more for yourself because the sparks that you have the little ideas that you have inside you that keep coming up and keep appearing to you they're meant for you and so we want to show people how to work on those but also practically how to use the money they have to create more money and create wealth for themselves that they can then in turn leave on to the people behind them. You help people to start up and but also your ideas are really inspirational for people who want to kind of scale up but wherever you are wherever people are that next step is always scary. So how do you define courage? I define courage as actually listening to that voice and doing what you know you're meant to do and the reason why many of us don't know what the voice is saying is because life is so busy and we feel that we have to be busy to keep up but the the, the three l's really love listen and learn we've talked a lot well we talked a bit about love you have to love yourself all of you are the bits that maybe are not that you think are not so good and the bits that are good, the whole of you, the same way that you love the people in your lives, you don't love them because they're perfect, you love them because they're imperfect. And listen is to listen to yourself like you would listen to a close friend. When you meet up with your friends, the great thing about it is the connection between you, the stories you share, the memories you share. And when you talk to yourself, your voice will speak to you. You have so much, we all have so much inner wisdom and we are so busy looking to other people to tell us what's the next step for us. When if we only spoke to our inner wisdom who knows us better than anyone, it will it will, it will speak to us. I know this sounds a bit woo woo, but it's, it's so true to really listen to yourself and to know what you want. And then the third L is to lead. So when you love yourself, you listen to yourself, you know what you want, you then have to lead yourself because there's two of you. <laughs> There's the one who wants to stay safe in the cave, who's very powerful. And there's the one who wants to go out and, and share your message and live your purpose. And uh, you need then need to lead yourself through that so that you can actually do what you're intended to do. I love that so much. And it's so true. And what a great way of putting it, the idea that 
we can lead the 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 little frightened one inside us <laughs> just as you would a child or or somebody that you care for i think that's a really great way of saying it thank you so much and thank you so much stephanie for sharing your journey from young mum to being a multi-million pound ethical property investor who cares for the people who are renting from you and for those who feel they could never achieve your success, but you show them how they can. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lou. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Stephanie, for showing us that wherever we are right now, we can achieve what we want to be by developing the right mindset and taking the right action. You can find out more about Stephanie's work on www.renttorentsuccess.com and follow her on Instagram at Stephanie Property. Thanks to Silk Studios for producing and sourcing the guests for the show. And thanks to you all for listening. Take care, choose courage and see you next week.